Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. Today, Walt and I will conclude this series that has been entitled Praise and Adore Him. Starting next week, we will begin a new series on the book of James entitled Faith in Action. We are excited to dig into that New Testament book. But first, today, we will focus on the wise men who have traveled from the East in a caravan. We don't know how many. We, we often think it's the three wise men, but there were probably many of them in this group. And they came to Jerusalem in search of the one, Matthew tells us, who has been born King of the Jews. So let's go to Matthew chapter two and read. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And you know, in this very first verse, we have questions to ask. Who, what, where, when, how? These questions are the key to good Bible study. And we need to ask questions of the biblical text. And so right here in verse 1 of Matthew 2, where, the location, when, the timeline, who, who was there. These answers are given to us in this first verse. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod. It puts it on a timeline for us. And this town, Bethlehem, well, this is the town where Ruth met Boaz back in Ruth chapter 2. Her name is listed here in Matthew's genealogy in chapter 1. This is the city of David, that shepherd boy who famously we know he killed Goliath and was Israel's second king. This is the city where Jesus was born, the little town of Bethlehem. Wise men came from the east, most likely from Persia or Babylon to Jerusalem. Why Why Jerusalem? We ask, well, this is the capital city of Israel. This one who was born to be king, that was the what the wise men proclaimed. We've come to see him who's been born king of the Jews. Therefore, these wise men assumed this baby would be born where? In the king's palace, yeah. right? Yeah. For we saw his star. That's very interesting here in the text, and that should spike our interest and cause us to raise our eyebrows, so um, so to speak. We saw his star when it rose. These men were students. They were learned men. They studied the constellations. They followed the stars and the seasons. They charted them. They journaled. They knew there was something very different about his star. Therefore, they made preparations. They embarked on a journey to find he who has been born king of the Jews. And when they arrived in the courts of King Herod, the wise men told him, we have come to worship him. Herod the king was troubled. Walt, you know, there's some history behind this statement in Matthew's Gospel. Oh, there's a lot of history behind that statement. Because the text does tell us that when Herod the king heard this, because he hadn't had a little baby 
and and he knew that there's something was up. He was troubled, and all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. And whenever Herod was troubled or upset or felt threatened, the people around him, they were troubled because he was a cruel, he was a ruthless ruler. And history helps us understand that Herod the Great, he wasn't the rightful king of David's lineage. He was actually half Jewish and half Edomite, or Idumean is how the, the New Testament calls him. But he aligned himself and won the favor of Rome, and he was appointed king with the Sanhedrin's blessing. And so there's this mixture of not only has he allied himself with Rome, but he's allied himself with the Jewish rulers. And again, they're all troubled. They, they, they want to keep the peace. If you go back to the historical accounts of Herod, they speak so clearly of his cruelty and his paranoid belief that everyone was out to get him and take his throne. That's because there were a lot of people out to get him and take his throne. And we could probably take a whole podcast and recount the history of Herod the Great. Even today, all around Israel, you can see the fortresses that he built for his luxurious lifestyle and his protection, doomsday fortresses that were built with the the most luxurious accommodations available that day. And so when the text says this simple phrase, all Jerusalem was troubled along with Herod, it's for good reason. Again, his cruelty even included the murder of his favorite wife and the murder of his two favorite sons. And there was a phrase um, in, in Greek at that time that said it's, it's better to be Herod's pig than his sons because pig and sons were very similar uh, sounding words because Herod might not feel like having, having pig today, but the sons are going to die. Well, Herod didn't like these words that were spoken of by the, these wise men, these scholars, these professors that came from the East, that another king has been born. And he quickly assembles all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he knows it's just not any king. They've come to see the king. There's something special about him. He has his own star. He's being worshipped by these wise men from the east. And he says, tell the wise men of, of Israel, tell me where the Christ, where the Messiah, where God's anointed was to be born. And they told him, well, it's in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet Micah in Micah 5.2, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This new ruler is promised by Micah and the other prophets, Isaiah and Daniel and Jeremiah. There's so much promised about him, and he will fulfill the promises that were given to the patriarchs, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And then were even more clearly spilled out promises given to King David of a future king that would come and set all things right. And so Jerusalem's king, King Herod, and the religious rulers have now been informed that the king of the Jews has been born. This fulfills the words of the prophets, just as you said, Walt. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Micah, a child would be born in Bethlehem. Reading in verse 7 of Matthew 2, Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, 
And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they, the wise men, saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You know, Herod calls a secret meeting. Usually, we don't think that secret meetings are a good thing, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, yeah, usually, you know, and we're told, you know, this is a secret meeting. Herod's whispering in their ears, so to speak, right? He puts on his best act of care and concern so that he can verify when this miraculous star had actually first appeared in the sky, because he wants to know a date, right? He instructs them to search diligently for the child and then to let him know. He tells them that he too would like to worship this child born to be king. Sure he will. (laughs) Herod is already... He's already plotting to destroy this young boy, this toddler. The wise men believe his false humility. He was a great actor, and they were filled with great joy as they departed Jerusalem, headed toward Bethlehem, that short five to six miles that they needed to go, because once again, that star appeared. You know, that gives us the idea that for a while the star was in the sky, but then it actually was not visible for a while. Right, and even this is from the the eye of the observer. It, it, it looks like a great light in the sky. It's a star, but it's a star that's movable. It's not fixed, and it eventually guides them right to a specific place in Bethlehem. And you know, Brenda, even as you were you were recounting that about Herod the Great, and I was reminded, I've read numerous books on him, and and what it reminds me um, is that when I think about people. Even people that can be very cunning and very cruel, yet Herod put on an outward veneer of, oh, I care for this child. I have compassion. I want to go and worship. Um, It just reminds me, um, we need the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to give us wisdom and discernment so we can live as Jesus instructed his disciples in Matthew 10, 16. He said, I'm going to send you out as sheep in the midst of a bunch of wolves. That doesn't sound real pleasant. But he said, what I want is I want you to be as shrewd as serpents, yet as innocent as doves. And to do that in this cruel world, we we need the Spirit of God. So this group of wise men depart from Jerusalem. Again, they're probably in a caravan. We don't know how many people are there, but they would have set a, a stir any place they go, because as they come, it's it's not just a, a specific person. Well, they're a majestic yeah, caravan. Yeah, and, and I mean, they're elders. They're, they're, they're looked upon as almost their own form of royalty from the country they came. And they see this shining star, this, then they journey down to Bethlehem, and the text continues in verse 11, and going into the house, not into the, the little area where Jesus was born, they, get, they saw the child with Mary as mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And they opened their treasures, and they offered him gifts, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, and we're going to keep drilling on this even as we go next week into the book of James, but we're going to keep saying we, we need to ask questions of the text. They go into a house. Jesus is not a newborn babe in an animal stable any longer. Some time has passed, at least 40 days for them to go up, as we talked previously about going up to the temple and having the purification. And and so Jesus is at least a few months old, and they're now living in a house. The people have all returned. There's now room for them in Bethlehem. 
And these wise men, these scholars, these elders, very stately, they come in and they bow and they worship this little child. I, I, this was customary in action. When, when one from an ancient Eastern country comes before any royalty, they bow low to the ground and they're recognizing this child. He's special. He's worthy of worship. He's kingly, but not just like any normal king. This is the king of the Jews that has been awaited for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they brought gifts from their treasuries, valuable gifts, great wealth, but the gifts have significant meaning. The gold is, is fit for a kingly position and all that he occupies. It's one of the most valuable items they had at the time in this culture. And they brought frankincense. This was used in worship and offering up a sweet savor to the Lord God Almighty. And then finally, myrrh. This was an aromatic, um, aromatic gum that was used for a number of things, in, in, including um, helping the smell of even people in a sweaty, smelly time, but also used for burial preparation. And these gifts remind us that Jesus was born king, and he's worthy of all the praise, and he's worthy of sacrifice, and he's worthy of all that we can give him. But he was also born to die. And there are sacrificial atoning death, not just any death. Um, the, the righteous one who will die for the unrighteous. Um, for those who place their faith in Christ, for all of us that are trusting in him, his death pays the penalty for all our sins of all our life and allow us to come into the presence of God and be adopted as his children. Well, we can only imagine what that day looked like, what that event truly was. The thoughts, the emotions flooding through the hearts and minds, especially of Mary and Joseph. Remember, the shepherds had come to the manger after the angels had told them, go and look for a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, And then the prophetic words at the temple of Simeon as he lifted up the Christ child and pronounced, this is the one I was promised that I would see him. And Anna, the faithful widow in the temple, that woman of prayer and prophecy, and now a group of wise men. You know, and not just any average people. They, these are scholars. They're learned men. They they have swagger of, of the wise. They have the swagger of elders. They've come from the East bringing these extravagant gifts. And it seems like these testimonies, first of the shepherds and then of of Simeon and Anna, and now of these wise men, it seems like it's, it's layer after layer saying, Mary, Joseph, This is a special boy that you've been given and you've been gifted. He will change the world. And after this wonderful experience of worship and giving of gifts, the Lord warns these wise men in a dream, don't return to Herod. And so they departed their own country for their own country by a different way. And as these wise men have departed from Bethlehem, an angel of the Lord now comes to Joseph in a dream. We we saw that before. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about how the an angel of the Lord came to Joseph and told him, take Mary, take Mary as your wife, because this child, <laughs> this child is God's son. And here the angel says, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, 
for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. This is God's sovereign action to preserve his Messiah, his son. He sends an angel again to Joseph. And we come back to that good student practice. We ask questions. Why Egypt? Well, you know, it was nearby. It was a Roman province, but it was outside of Herod's jurisdiction. Herod could not go down to Egypt and extract them, so to speak. And at this time, there were about a million Jews actually living in Egypt, and so they could go into a Jewish community. And we see here that the angel came to Joseph, and he gave an explicit command. Joseph, Mary, and this child were to flee to Egypt, and they were to remain there, not only until Herod's death, but until Joseph received a specific word again from the Lord through an angel that he was to return. The command was urgent. Joseph left at once, setting out by night to begin the 75-mile journey to the border of Egypt. The focus on God's protection of the child is unmistakable. Herod was going to try to kill him. My head to heart here, these verses just serve as a reminder that our Heavenly Father is sovereign. He's watching over all of the details in our lives. God directed the wise men. He said, do not, do not return to Herod. Don't go back up to Jerusalem. And God, through his angel, told Joseph to flee immediately. But I have to stop and ask myself, do I seek God's guidance and direction in my life? Do I, do I purposely seek that and ask him? And then do I obey him when I sense his direction? Do I actually obey? Many times, uh, I have to admit, I have my own ideas, my suggestions. My mind fills with doubts, and I'm not so sure that's what I should do. And I hesitate to follow him in obedience. I'm not always very good to surrender my will to his will and his purpose. You know, Brenda, even as you're saying that, that whole idea of immediately, what does that look like? And often I know I delay. If if they would have delayed, they might be dead. Right. And so God instructs the wise men, don't return to Herod. Um, instead, you need to go home by a different way. And so they would have crossed the Jordan and gone home. And then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. There will be weeping in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, because Herod comes and he kills all the boys two years and younger. And even in this passage, really, that refers to Jeremiah, a time when there, there would be um, exile out of, out of Israel, of God's people. But it's also hope they'll come back. And friends, you know, there's going to be struggles and pain and hardships. We've just finished one year. We're coming into a new year. We don't know what the new year has in front of us. We know what, what was behind us, but what's ahead? In Bethlehem, a horrible tragedy has taken place. The murder of many young boys, innocent babes and toddlers, families caught in grief and suffering, but... God, but God, friends, He is our hope. We must turn to Him. In Psalm 35, we read, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Wise people will seek and worship Christ. 
wise people will choose, choose to seek and worship Christ in the midst of dark days and hard times, confusion and deception. We must choose to give thanks to the Lord. We must choose to sing praises to his name. We must choose to declare, to declare his steadfast love in the morning and his faithfulness by night. Father, as this new year begins, we come before you and confess our need for you every day. May each of us choose to seek and worship you more passionately and consistently. Strengthen us daily as we continue to walk with God. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.